Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. We've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever gonna be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless, enjoy this word. And today God's going to minister life to people in this room. There's hope for everybody today. Can I just tell you before I preach this today, I don't care how screwed up you think your life is. Jesus can fix it. Jesus can fix it. Anybody ever had him fix your life? And you know that I'm telling the truth this morning that Jesus can fix it. Luke's Gospel, the 13th chapter, the 22nd verse. So the series is called Journey to Jerusalem. The message today is called Narrow Gates and a Big Kingdom. How many know the kingdom of God is big? I want to tell you the kingdom of God is awesome, and we're going to talk some about it today. But the entrance into the kingdom is not a wide gate or a big door. It's a narrow gate. And today I want to remind this house of the narrow gate that we have to enter through to come into the vast, awesome, incredible kingdom of God. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. And he went through the cities and the villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And one said to him, Lord, this is a great question, Lord, are there only a few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. I don't even know where you're from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught us in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. These are hard words, but the Lord will help us to understand it today. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves will be thrust out. They will come from the east. They will come from the west, the north, and the south. They will sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first. And there are first who will be last. And I want to preach for a few moments today on that phrase, that narrow gate phrase because the gate to get in is narrow but how many know the kingdom is awesome and incredible and big Lord help me today to teach and preach the word I pray today that scales would fall off our eyes that by the help of your Holy Spirit and the grace that you give me to preach and to lead this house I ask you Holy Spirit that you will give me that grace again that anointing again that we will teach and preach in it together today 
that people will come into the light out of the dark. If there is any darkness today, God, I thank you the light is going to be shown there. And people who are living in confusion are going to come into truth, clarity, and revelation. And I thank you today that the result and the reward of the preaching of Christ is that souls will be saved. And I pray today in Jesus' name that the body will be activated to do the work of an evangelist. So for the next few minutes, help me today. Help us today. And we receive this anointing now in Jesus' name. If you receive it, say amen. 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 Look at somebody tell them, narrow gate, big kingdom. So we started last Sunday in the book of Luke the ninth chapter, I read the scripture where the Bible said Jesus turned his attention toward Jerusalem and he began this journey toward Jerusalem and he understands that he's going to Jerusalem to die. He would actually tell his disciples that the prophets died in Jerusalem and he wasn't going to allow them to kill him outside the streets or the confines of that city. He had to go to that city they attempted to murder him a number of times before he got there, but he knew Jerusalem was his destination. And he was going there to pay the price for the sins of the whole world. And as we're on this journey with Jesus from Capernaum and from Galilee to Jerusalem, this series could have been weeks long. It could have been months long because really so much of the gospel of Luke happens in this journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. In Galilee, he's experienced tremendous success, but he doesn't allow the success of ministry in Galilee to keep him from the cross he is to bear in the city streets of Jerusalem. And as we come to this 13th chapter of Luke, we are four chapters beyond where we started last Sunday, and he is now teaching and ministering to um, a crowd of people who want to know what he has to say and and we've seen you do the miracles, and we've seen you heal the sick, and we've seen you raise the dead, but t t teach us, Lord. We, we want to know about this kingdom. And so just prior to this text I read to you this morning, he has given them several, several parables about the kingdom. And he's talked about the increase and the way the kingdom grows, and he starts out by telling them that the kingdom is a seed. It's like the mustard seed, the smallest seed in all the kingdom, yet when you plant it, you fertilize it, you water it, and it gets sunlight, it grows to become a massive tree in which all of the animals and all the birds of the air, rather, they lodge their nest in its branches. It's a way of saying it was a parable. He was trying to teach them that the the kingdom of God is small right now, but don't count it out just because you don't see it in mass form yet. He said it's going to grow and people are going to lodge in its branches. It's going to expand. It's going to flourish. It looks like one Savior and 12 disciples now, but one day it's going to explode. He said it's not just like a seed. It's like a measure of leaven that you put in the dough. You leave it in there for some time and things begin to expand and grow. It's leaven. You can't even hardly see it in the dough, but it just causes things to expand. It causes things to grow. He's trying to show them that the kingdom of God, it can't be seen always in the natural. 
But in the spirit, there is potential. How many know you go to get a pack of seeds? I just did this this past week. I got a bare spot on my lawn, and, and I was trying to get some grass to grow there. And so I went and raked up the soil, and I got some grass seed, and I put it on the soil, and I covered it with a little bit of, a little bit of hay. And, and you look at that seed, that grass seed. It's, it's a little bitty seed in the bag, but it doesn't stay a little seed forever. You put it in the right soil, give it some time and take care of it, and what was a seed begins to grow roots and grow. This is the kingdom of God. And sometimes people look at the church or look at the kingdom of God and they, and they see a, a small group of believers or they, they see a preacher, they, they hear a song, they, they, see, they see some manifestation of the kingdom and they say, that's not that big a deal. I tell you that wherever the kingdom of God is in seed form, it will explode and grow. It will take root and increase because the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom and and Jesus said of the government of that kingdom, there will, the increase of the government of that kingdom will know no end. Let me tell you this about the kingdom of God. Many people underestimate it now. One day when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, they will see that that Galilean that Galilean man that, that they called Jesus, uh, although he was just a carpenter's son in the natural, he was the son of God, and he came to turn the world on its ear and to put the devil out of business. This is the kingdom of God. And as he gets closer to Jerusalem and he's teaching these parables of an increasing kingdom, there is someone in the crowd who looks at him after he has talked about expansion and a growing kingdom. There's a, there's a dude in the crowd and he asks, de- I think it's a decent question, will only a few be saved? I mean, you talk about a kingdom, Jesus. You just told us the kingdom was like a seed that gets planted and it grows. You just told us the kingdom was like leaven that expands and makes the dough and the lump of, uh, and the lump of dough expand and grow. And, and you've only got a few followers here. Will only a few be saved? As Jesus gets closer to Jerusalem, recognizing that his time is coming to an end, he understands he has no minutes to waste. So he doesn't leave the option for being unclear. He doesn't leave the option of being confused. He isn't worried about offending a crowd or losing followers. He recognizes for some that that are standing there, it will be the last time they have the opportunity to hear the gospel, the truth. So here's what he says. When the man asks him, will only a few be saved, Jesus turns the question to the audience. The question is not, will a few be saved? The question is, will you be saved? Have you ever heard these people who want to get into a a diatribe and an argument with us about, about, well, some some are going to hell and there's nothing they can do about it. I'm going to make Reformed theologians real happy today, I can tell. 
Uh, some are going to hell and there's not, they were, they were, they were created and, and without choice, they're going to go to hell. They are not the elect. And, and, and this man, it's, it's not like he has that argument, but he, there is this tone in him of who gets to go and who doesn't. How many get to go into the kingdom and how many will never get into the kingdom? And he's really trying to find out in light of this expanding kingdom, why do you have so few followers? Will only a few be saved? And Jesus turns it back to the crowd. The man asked the question, but the crowd get the result and the response. Jesus looks at the crowd and he doesn't answer if only a few will be saved. What he does is essentially points to them and say, will you be saved? Some people want to argue with us about who gets to get in and who gets, who doesn't get to get in. I want to tell you that today, you will decide what road you journey. You will decide what path you choose. When you get to the end of your life, be it celebratory or be it regret, you will have chosen that path for yourself. It will not be your mother or my, won't be my daddy, won't be my pedigree that I blame or that I give glory to. At the end of my life, at the end of your life, we will have to reckon for the decision we made while we lived. And Jesus says to the crowd, the man asked him the question, will a few or only a few being saved? The answer is not. Yes or no? The answer is, will you be saved? And here's how we get to that answer. He answers it like this. The gate to enter this kingdom is a narrow gate. I want to tell you today that Jesus, I believe scripture is emphatic and clear about this, Jesus would save everybody. I got four y'all and two yeses. I want to tell you, can I just give you some scripture in case you're wondering if God wants to save everybody? Can I give you three or four verses that are not just, that are not just uh, subject oriented? This is the mind of God woven throughout the whole scripture. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is a good God and he wants to save all of humanity. Will all of humanity be saved? No, but that doesn't mean God wanted that to happen. Do you have Bible? Of course. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward all of us, not willing that any should perish, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You want more? I got more. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, the world, not the decent religious people who needed a spiritual Band-Aid, the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Here's one you never hear quoted. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Are just a few being saved? Is this just a little group of people? Is, is, this, is this a God that only wants a couple of folk to make it in? 
Paul would say to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings who are in authority, well, there you go. That's, I wasn't going to preach this, but that will bless some of you right there. Pray for your president. Well, I didn't vote for him. Well, there's another group on the other side that said the same thing, but you don't get to choose who you pray for, and you don't pray for the one you voted for. You pray for the one sitting in the Oval Office because without God, oh, don't get me started. Pray for your kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. Look at verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He is the one, verse 4, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. For he is the one who desires all men to be saved and that all men come to knowledge of the truth. So the next time you start praying and the devil says, they're not going to get saved, you pray and you say, God's will is that they come to the Lord and that they come to salvation and I'm going to pray until the blinders are removed and faith springs up and they come into newness of life. I believe God wants every person, wicked people you know. Messed up people you know. God wants all people to be saved. This church does not exist simply to grow from people coming disgruntled from other locations and call that church growth. This house is to grow. There will be people who come from other places and we welcome you into the family no matter where you came from. But at the end of the day, we're not here to babysit people who'll be here a week and gone the next. We are here to raise up an activated army that understands Jesus saves to the uttermost. And no matter how screwed up this city is, there is an answer. His name is Jesus. He'll save anybody. He'll save everybody. The issue is not, will there be a few saved? The issue is, will you be saved? And Jesus says, if you want to come into this vast kingdom, there's a gate. And it's narrow. And it's not narrow to make it hard on you to get in. It's narrow to make sure you don't come in the wrong way. N narrow in the sense that there aren't, there isn't a wide gate with all sorts of options. Have you ever heard have you ever heard someone say this Christians are narrow minded I was recently accused of being a narrow minded bigot <laughs> And when you ask them why are you why do you think I'm narrow minded because you believe all you do is preach Jesus All you church people do is talk about Jesus Well I want to settle something today It would be a disservice to the call of God on my life 
to stand up and invite you into the kingdom any other way but the way of Jesus. There aren't a plurality of choices. There isn't this multiple thing where you get to choose the God that gets you into eternal life. There is only one. And Jesus told the disciples in John 14 when he said, I'm going away and I'll come back and get you. And Thomas said, where is the way? How do we get to where you're going? Jesus said, Thomas, stop looking out there for the way. You are looking at the way. I am the way. I am, Jesus said this, I am the way. I am the way, Jesus said it. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You can get mad, take our words out of context, twist us, and make us into some maniacal group of people if you choose. But when we preach Christ the Savior, it is not because we take great privilege in ticking off the rest of religion. It is being preached because Christ is the only way to the heart of God. It's narrow. Jesus is not one among many choices. Jesus is the only choice for those who seek to find eternal life. And beyond the gate being narrow because it is only one way, it is narrow meaning you can't bring everything through the gate with you. The gate has a reducing effect. The, the gate has a prioritizing effect. The gate has a purifying effect. When you walk through the narrow gate, you start with all this stuff that you think you need for life. And Jesus says, if you're coming into my life, into my kingdom, you're gonna have to drop some stuff off at the gate. It's a narrow gate. How many have ever been to Rock City? Come on, don't lie. There's nothing sinful about Rock City, right? I've been to Rock City. There's a place where I used to get nervous. It's called Lover's, never mind. It's called <laughs> Lover's Leap, just kidding. It's called Fat Man Squeeze. For whatever reason, Devin loves going to Rock City at nighttime. I'm already claustrophobic. It's pitch black, and we start descending down into this enchanted cavern. What? It's demonic. It's, it's, it's this descent down into the fat man squeeze, and I hadn't been there in several years. And recently, we went for Christmas, and I had Genesis. So here's me already, you know, I played football, I'm a big guy, and I'm already nervous. And Genesis is there with me. And I get to going down the steps and I think, my God, I need the gift of discernment. <laughs> Are we gonna be able to fit? And so I start maneuvering and turning myself and I'm thinking, no, we're not. So I do when any 
wise father does, I turned him around and turned around and said to Zion, Judah, take the child. Simba, I give her to, to my, my daughters and I, I come walking through with inches of spare on both sides and I'm thinking, I'm doing better than I thought I was. But I had to get rid of something to make sure I fit through the passage to get to where I wanted to go. The narrow gate won't let you take the baggage of yesterday into your future. The narrow gate is narrow because there aren't many ways. There's only one, his name is Jesus. The narrow gate is narrow because God wants to give you the kind of life on the other side of that gate that is different than the kind of life you had before you walked through that gate. You can't possibly drag all that stuff with you into your next season. And when I say season, I'm talking about the quality of life. I'm not talking about, oh, it's in the, I'm talking about moving from death to life. Moving from, moving from unrighteousness to righteousness. Moving from darkness into light. If you're going to make that transition, there's some stuff, for those of you who are walking in darkness today, there is some stuff in your life right now that you don't want it in your future, trust me. And the gate will narrow it will reduce, it will prioritize. I believe this gate, Jesus was getting to this gate back in Luke's gospel, the ninth chapter, where there are these people who came to Jesus and said, I wanna follow you. You wanna follow me? The first dude said, I'll follow you wherever you go. This is in Luke nine, you can read it this afternoon. Luke nine, I'll follow you wherever, he, wherever you go. And Jesus says, for real, foxes have holes. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Are you sure you want to follow that kind of movement? What is he getting at? The gate, it's so narrow, you can't take all of your ideas with you through the gate. All these big ideas you have about how important you're going to be and how famous you are, it's got to stay outside the gate. There's a lot of preachers who need to walk back through that gate. I'm literally watching right now, I'm watching men fight for their own personal significance and relevance. One great old disciple said it's something powerful, and this is from early church fathers. He said, preach the gospel and die and be forgotten. Wow. We're building shrines and memorials unto people. When in reality, we ought to be walking through narrow gates and the only thing that ought to be big is the kingdom and the king on the inside of the gate. I believe in honor and I'm thankful for that and, I'm, and, and I believe in honoring men and women of God. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I practice that. But men who fight for their significance and their relevance reveal that they still don't have the priority of the kingdom. And the people who understood that priority are the ones we honor and esteem and revere the most. Amen. The gate is narrowing. It's not wide. You can't drag everything. You can't drag everything through that gate. <laughs> Boy, I want to preach right here. I don't want to offend nobody, but I want to preach right here. 
What are you holding on to keeping you from being able to walk through the gate? I flew this past week. I got on a plane on Monday and um, actually Friday morning. And I was in Orlando and I was flying back and I, we, there's this sweet Karen in front of me. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm trying to get to a plane, dear sister. And you want to have a talk about politics with a TSA agent who don't even care about your politics. And, and he says to her, leave your bottle of water on this side. It was a, is it Voss? Voss water, and it's very expensive water. It's, you know, it's like $5 a bottle. And she got this bottle, and she can't drink it all. And she's, I want to take it through. And he says, ma'am, you can't take it through. Well, this is the stupidest rule you've ever made. I didn't make the rule, said the TSA agent. <laughs> and then she began to criticize him and, and tell, and so the woman almost goes to jail over, a, over not letting go of a cup of water. Genius. <laughs> what are you not letting go of that's keeping you from walking through that gate? The next man in Luke chapter 9, he said, Lord, I'll go wherever you, the first one said, I'll go wherever you go. He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, son of man has no place to lay his head. Second man comes to him. Jesus doesn't wait on him to say, I'll follow you. Jesus says, follow me. And the man responds to Jesus. Let me go home and bury my dead family. And Jesus responds, let the dead bury the dead. Boy, that's a hard saying, isn't it, Pastor? It's a narrow gate. What are you holding on to so dear on this side of the gate that will keep you from walking through into eternal life? The gate is narrow. It's not narrow because God doesn't want you to find it. It's not narrow to make it hard on you. In fact, I want you to look at the text. Chad, can you put the ver that verse up where it says, strive to enter the narrow gate. Right. Strive to enter the narrow gate. What does that mean? Does that mean we work hard to get saved? Oh, no. Oh, no. The striving is not in working to begin... To be righteous, the striving is not in working to get saved. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's why Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourself. It's not your works that saved you. You can't strive and work hard and get saved. The striving Jesus is talking about when he says, strive to enter the, the narrow gate, the striving is in the decision-making. It's in the focus. This world presents all sorts of options for life. Jesus said you got to strive. In fact, this word strive in the Greek is, is where we get our English word agony. Agony. There is an agonizing process of saying no to a bunch of other things that want to tell you they'll give you life and you got to walk through that striving, agonizing process of saying hell or high water, I'm going to trust Jesus. I may fall down, but I'm going to get up. I will not deny him. I'm going to keep the faith because he is my entrance into eternal life. Strive. 
It's a pulling of the soul. It's a tearing away of things and sometimes even relationships to walk through that gate. Jesus says the narrow gate. Not only is it a narrow gate, but it's a shutting gate. It's not shut, but it will shut. And here's the problem. When it shuts, you can't get in. You say, Pastor, this is so judgmental, and this does not sound like the heart of God, that God would shut the gate. Tell that to Noah. Had God not mercifully shut the door of the ark, the water would have come in the ark and sank the ark and killed Noah and his family. Here's the deal. God doesn't shut the gate because he's not full of love. He shuts the gate one day ultimately because it's time for things to be finished, completed, and the fullness and consummation of the ages to occur. That is the mercy of God. If you're in the boat, you will be glad when God shuts the door. This is tough, but that is why we make best use of now. We, we don't wait to walk through the gate. Come on, family. We don't wait to walk through the door. We don't even talk about doing it tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow is promised to no man. Today is the day of salvation. So I want to tell someone this. It's a narrow gate. There's not many choices, and you don't get to decide what you bring through the gate with you. But the gate will close. The door will shut. Time will expire one day. You say, Pastor, this is manipulation. No, we have become so interested in comfort that we've taught people who come to our church that they're God and they get to choose. I'm going to tell you the truth. You're the clay, he's the potter, and you don't get to decide the future, he does. And we make best use of today by recognizing it as a gift and saying to ourselves, I will not put off till tomorrow what needs to be handled right now because the gate will close. One day when the gate closes, there are going to be people, watch this and I'm wrapping up, there are going to be people who come to the door. Man, you were tight, Jesus. Remember, I saw you do miracles. Remember, I heard you teach in our streets. Yeah, but I never came to your house. You know why Zacchaeus came into the kingdom? It wasn't because he was perfect. In fact, you can't find a more screwed up person in the New Testament than a tax collector. That's still the case. Never mind. Uh, all he did was cheat people out of money. He took what didn't belong to him. And one day he climbed up in a sycamore tree because the Lord was passing by. And when he passed by, Jesus looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, get out. For I'm going to your house. Never mind. For, <laughs> I'm coming down this tree 
And when he comes down this tree, the Bible said Jesus went to the house of Zacchaeus. And I know Zacchaeus got saved because Zacchaeus didn't say, what are you going to give me, Lord, now that I came into your kingdom? Zacchaeus said, I'm going to pay back everything I stole and I'm going to give everybody that I stole from some interest on the stuff I stole. How many are thankful for the day Jesus came to your house? I know you were messed up, but all you had to do was let him in. And when he came in, he turned your whole life upside down. I may not be what I'm going to be, but I'm thankful I'm not who I used to be ever since Jesus dropped by. How many can testify he gave you a new mind? He gave you a new way to walk. He gave me a new way to talk. I don't treat folk like I used to treat folk since Jesus passed by. Tell somebody, tell a neighbor, I'm glad for the day that Jesus passed by. I'm glad for the day that he came into my house. When he came into my house, I just want to testify he didn't bring up my past. He only revealed my future. He gave me a reason to live. Anybody glad for Jesus today? Oh, Lord. He changed us, and now we're different, and we're saved. Watch this. But there are coming, there's coming a day when the door shuts and people who want what's going on on the other side of the door but didn't want to go through the narrow gate to get there and they didn't want to make the choice before the door shut, they're going to knock on the door. And he's going to say, I don't know you. Why would you preach this message, Pastor? Because the Bible said preach it. There are people who want eternal life but don't want to walk through the narrow gate and they don't want to do it on his timing. And you've got to understand something. If you don't walk through the narrow gate and you don't do it on his timing, you will find yourself one day wanting. Nobody wants to go to where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But some people want to live this life up and still have eternal life. It's a hard saying. But you are the clay. You are not the potter. I feel the fear of the Lord on me when I say it. You and I don't get to make the choice after the door is shut. We get the opportunity and the blessing of choosing now. So he says that there will be people who come and they will say, let me in, let me in. You taught in our streets. Yeah, but I never came in your home. I don't know you. Read the text. Uh, they will say, they will say, we, we drank in your presence. Yeah, but you didn't drink the living water. And you will think that proximity will pay for your salvation. Getting close to him, I was in the room where you were. (laughs) 
It's possible to be in a room with somebody and claim you know them. <laughs> I had a friend in high school who said he knew Michael Jordan. I said, how'd you know him? I went and watched him play. You, <laughs> never mind. We got folk who act like they know people. You might have been in the room with somebody. But proximity is different than a personal relationship. They will actually bring their pedigree into the conversation. My mama and them, my, my daddy is Abraham. I'm connected to Moses. Jesus said, Abraham's coming. The prophets are going to get in. But you will be thrust out because you rejected the narrow way. And it doesn't end with weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It doesn't end with people being thrown out. It actually ends with a prophecy about the expansion of this kingdom. <laughs> they will come from the east. They will come from the west. They will come from the north. They will come from the south. And they will sit down in the kingdom of God. This is an amazing prophetic announcement. When, when Jesus said they will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west, literally what that is, it's an idiom. It's a way of exaggerating something. And essentially what he was saying is this. You can't find a direction that they won't be coming from. I'm getting ready to bless myself before I get through with this message today. You cannot find a direction that people will not be traveling from to become a part of this kingdom of God. They will come from every country. They will come from every culture. They will come in every color. I wish I had some help in this church this morning. They will come from every nation. They will come from every nationality. They will walk out of every kind of bondage. They will come out of every kind of addiction. When he says they will come from the east, the west, the north, and the south, he's not even talking about Jewish rabbis. He's not talking about sanctified Pharisees. He's not talking about pious Sadducees. He's talking about Gentiles. Gentiles will come out of every continent. Gentiles will come out of every nation. They'll come out of every walk of life. They'll come out of every habit. They'll come out of every Vice, they'll come out of crack houses, they'll come out of whorehouses, they'll come off of strip poles. You better hear what I'm telling you. God is about to send a harvest to houses of worship where Jesus is being preached and Jesus is being worshiped. I feel like telling some preacher who can't find people to sit in the pew. If the religious people don't want to sit in the pew, God said, go out into the highways, go out into the byways. If them church people are going to act hardcore, go find you some prostitutes. Go find you some drug addicts. Go find you some messed up minds. Yes, God is about to save the lost. He said, he didn't say I come to play games with religious people. He said, I came to seek. I came to save those who are lost. Somebody give God a praise for harvest. I gotta go. But before I go, I want to remind you what the Bible said. 
The Bible said that they walked through a field and the field was white. The, the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, when will the end come? And he looked back at them and said, pray. Pray for harvesters. You don't have to pray about harvest. There's already enough people harvest ready. I don't need more lost people. I need more found people to go help me reap the lost people. Touch somebody and tell your neighbor, I'm not arguing with you over politics anymore. I'm not arguing with you over the color of the carpet of this church. I'm not arguing with you over styles of songs. I'm not arguing with you over what you wear to church. There are too many people dying and going to hell for me to argue with you. I've got to get busy in the field. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Somebody shout, yeah. They're coming from the north, the south, the east, and from the west. They're coming to the extent that there will not be a direction from which they do not come. Yeah, let me finish it with this. Be done. You need to get prepared to lose your favorite seat. Well, I've been sitting in this seat all these seven years. Who does he think he is? I'm trying to help you and announce to you, Karen, that somebody's coming from the north, somebody's coming from the south, somebody's coming from the east, and somebody's coming from the west. I'll give them my seat. I just want them to get in the gate before the gate shuts because I feel like at any moment, at any moment, we could step out of time into eternity. At any moment, we could shout down here and wake up shouting on the other side. How many know Jesus is coming? Somebody shout, yeah. And here's what I want to say. The Lord spoke this to me in prayer when I was praying before service this morning. He said, this house is going to be activated. Yes, this house is going to be activated to make sure people know my love. And I'm telling you right now, if people know us by our religion and not by the love of the God who saved us, we're not doing our job right. Shout amen, church. Well, what denomination are you? Who cares what denomination I am? My, my answer is not what denomination I am. My answer is, do you feel the love of God when I talk to you? Do you know the mercy of God when you interact with me? Because this is a narrow gate. Stand with me, I'm through. This is a narrow gate. But a really, really big kingdom. And you're going to have to strive to stay focused. You're going to have to strive to decide the right choice. Stuff's going to be pulling for your attention. 
Stuff's going to be pulling on your attention. It's going to try to distract you. It's going to try to present itself as a, a way for you to find comfort and peace. But there is no comfort. And there is no peace for those who do not know Jesus. I want you to lift your hands with me right now. If you're saved and begin to thank God for your salvation all over this room right now. I'm not going to provoke you. I'm not going to beg you. If you're born again and you're thankful for it, I want you to give God thanks for your salvation right now. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being the door. Thank you for being the gate that let me in. Thank you for rescuing me from myself. Thank you for saving me from me and from all my sins. Thank you, God. Thank you. And Lord, I want to repent. I want to repent for not always sharing it like I could. Activate us today, Lord, in an evangelistic grace. Reminding people, Lord, of your love for them. Not willing that any man or woman should perish, but that all should come to repentance and newness of life in Christ. I pray for the people of God today they be activated in this resurrection season when people are more likely to go to church than any other season. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that an invitation to church is going to be an invitation through that narrow gate. Somebody's going to leave their old life behind. I wish I could find some agreement right here. Someone's going to leave that old life behind and come into newness of life in Christ. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's leaving and moving for just a moment. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need you to pray for me. I, I want to be a good steward of today while I have it. I want to be a good steward of now. I need to walk through the narrow gate. I, I, I want to give God my life. I want him to take my sin. I want him to forgive me. I want him to be the king of my heart, the Lord of my life. I want to give him everything and I want to do it right now. Maybe I'm only talking to one person, but if you're in this room and you need that opportunity to say yes to the narrow gate and yes to the now, and you want to live in this big kingdom of God and you recognize that there aren't multiple ways in, there's only one way in, and today you want to take that way. If I'm talking to you and I say three, just lift your hand and say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I want to come in today. One, two, three. Lift your hand right now. God bless you, sir. Uh-huh. God bless you, ma'am. I want to come in today. Put your hands down. Here's what I'm, I don't come get nobody. We don't do that here. But I do want to give you an opportunity to respond. I saw at least two hands. And I want to give anyone an opportunity that wants to say yes to Jesus. You say, Pastor, why don't you save this and wait till Easter? Do you know how foolish it would be for me to wait two weeks to increase a number? when you may not live past lunchtime today. Today may be your resurrection Sunday. If you're in this room and you lifted your hand, or you should have, and you want to give Christ your whole life, here's how I want you to do it. Ask the person on your left right now, on your right, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? Come on, ask them. If you lifted your hand, or you should have, I want you to say yes. And when they say yes, just take them by the hand. Come stand with me right now. If you want to give your life to Christ, and you want to walk through the narrow gate, anybody at all who wants to come, come now. Come now. I want to give my life to Jesus. God bless you, young man. 
Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come here, big buddy. That's right. Come on in through the narrow gate. It's narrow, but it leads to it leads to a big, big kingdom. Come on. They're coming. They're coming. I wish somebody would help me praise the Lord. They're still coming. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now, while they pray with them, I want every person in this room that wants to be activated into evangelistic grace and evangelistic success. Lift your hands right now. This ought to be 100% of the church. The evangelist is not a person. The evangelist is a people. You are an evangelist. The Bible said do the work of an evangelist. Father, right now, every person that has lifted hands, I pray for the grace of evangelism to be activated and released in their life. I pray they would be a bringer. I pray they would be an inviter. I pray that they would open up their mouth and share the goodness of God and give people who don't know the love of God a taste of what God's love is like. I pray for church people in this room right now to be, rem I pray you will remove from them the residue of all religion that has made Christ resistible and rejected. Father, I pray that people who have said no to Jesus because of religion, I pray that would shift in the coming days and weeks as this company rises up in the measure of the love of God to demonstrate the love of God to the breadth and width of this city in Jesus' name. I pray for them right now. I pray for this church right now. Give me that card. Where's that card at, Pastor Richard? Somebody got that card? No, 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 no. It's up on my desk. Let me say this to you. We have some of these cards. Let them keep praying. This is very important. Let me tell you why. We're going to help you evangelize. Somebody say, I, I don't know how to preach. You don't have to preach. Just invite people. Do you understand what Philip did? Do you understand what Nathaniel did? He said, he said, you ought to see this man who told me everything I ever did. He said, where is he? He said, come and see. Come and see. Look at somebody tell them, come and see. I want you to share. We have these cards out in the lobby for all of you to take with you. Give some to your friends, your coworkers, your family, whoever, and invite them. We are in a time and a season of harvest. And how many want your family to be in the house before the door shuts? Somebody say amen. So I'm going to ask you to invite let me bless you before you go today. Father, I thank you for the grace that you have given us today in this service. People have been touched. Lives have been healed. People have been restored. People have come to Christ and are making their heart right with God. I'm thankful for it today, God. I pray this body would be activated. I pray this body would be graced and anointed. I pray that we would see people come, gosh, come to the Lord and that people would come out of their darkness and into the light of Christ. And I thank you, God, it's going to happen. And we're in a season of it in Jesus' name. So bless the people with a great afternoon. And then bring them back tonight at 6 p.m. Keep them safe. Go with us and guide us in Jesus' name. And everybody who loves the Lord, give them the best praise you've given them all morning long. Come on. Hallelujah. Let them continue to pray. We'll see you tonight at 6. Be here in the name of Jesus. Go in the peace of the Lord. 
Listen, I believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. If you've watched this message today and something said, brought strength to you and built you up in your spirit, gave you hope for tomorrow, I thank God that in this day and hour that we're living, that there is a word from the Lord. And the Bible tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of the Lord. And today this word, I pray, has produced faith in your heart. You want someone to agree with you in prayer right now. I want to take this moment to pray with everyone watching because I believe God's going to meet needs today. If you're lost and you feel like you're full of hopelessness and sin, just call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick in your body and you need him to touch you, you just call on the name of the Lord. If your family's falling apart and you need God to rescue your family, I want you to know there's a miracle for your family, for those of you who are watching today. Let's pray together. Father, move by your spirit right now. Someone's reaching out to you in faith, God. They need a miracle today. They need you to turn their situation around. I thank you that there's no impossibility. There's no problem too hard for you to solve. There's no mountain too big for you to move, Lord. Do it for them today. We agree together in prayer in Jesus' name that lives are being changed right now by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Be blessed. Check us out on kevinwallace.tv, and I'll see you next week. God bless.